Hi there. What's up? I'm Ola, an inhabitant of Lightbulb Moments, aka marketing director, a happy aunt, and an utter nerd. I'm Chris, a designer, a creative tech enthusiast, and a semi-grown kid. This is the Renting Bananas podcast, where Chris and I explore the depths of the human condition, covering everything from sex to relationships, to mental health and how to stop spending money on things you don't need, and everything nomad life. Join us on this audio journey as we ask more questions than we can actually answer. Welcome back to Renting Bananas. And today we're going to be speaking to a content creator from the Vietnam content creator community. She is an entrepreneur, a biohacker, an aspiring nutritionist and health coach, um, the host of the Creators in Saigon podcast. It's Dana Drehos. Did I pronounce that correctly, Dana? Yeah, you got it. Awesome. So Dana, that introduction, I don't know if that fit the bill. Maybe you can tell us a bit about yourself and who is Dana? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, you did great. I honestly struggle with introducing myself because I'm so all over the place and so much has changed in the past, like, even year. I've gone through a lot of pivoting and evolutions in terms of what I'm doing and what I'm interested in. So yeah, it's even like very long winded for me to try to explain. But yeah, so I'm from America. I just turned 28 in January. And I've been living in Saigon for two and a half years. I was working at an advertising agency in New York City before I came here for, again, like also two and a half years and decided I hate this corporate life and I need to get out of here and I need to go very far away from all of you people. And I had never thought about Asia at all really as a place to go, but when trying to figure out how am I gonna make money and be able to live abroad, teaching English was always top of the list on all the Google articles that I read. And Vietnam was also always like on the list for great destinations for that. So ended up here and started out teaching English full time and (laughs) very quickly realized that teaching English is not my thing either. And that I really need freedom and flexibility to work where I want, when I want, and just like a hunger to make more of an impact and do something that is more interesting because teaching English, you don't really learn anything new. Like it just gets so repetitive and boring. And it's, I know how to speak English. This is not really adding anything to my knowledge, but I fell into podcasting because I was meeting so many new, interesting people here and just felt, first of all, like I wanted to show the rest of the world all the cool stuff that's happening here because I feel like people on the outside maybe have a different perspective of Vietnam. I know I did before coming here. I didn't understand it. I just thought of it as a poor third world country and coming here, you just see how modern and vibrant and active everything is and all the new cool things going on. So I just wanted to showcase that as well as encourage the listeners and even the younger generation of Vietnam to go outside of their comfort zone and explore their creativity. Because with a lot of my students, I was teaching university students 
and I would ask them oh like what are you studying and they say finance and I'm like oh do you like it they're like no I'm like okay like why are you doing it oh my parents made me and I just wasn't seeing a lot of freedom to maybe express themselves creatively or try new things and I think we we have the privilege to do that so there's a little bit of that aspect as well but just en- encouraging people that you don't need a lot of money to to start something new so having people come on the show who would who made an entire film just on their iPhone or myself starting the podcast I didn't have I still don't have like a nice microphone or anything like that I'm just using my phone and whatever free tools I can use so just showing people that there aren't as many roadblocks as you may think in your mind and just go for it. So in learning all of those skills, I started offering that as a service, as like an online service provider to work with people mainly in the US who had podcasts and there's a lot of work to be done behind the scenes of podcasts, as I know you know. So people are willing to pay someone like me to do the behind the scenes editing and show notes and like uploading on the platforms and all that stuff. So I was doing that for pretty much all of 2020, having fun with it. I had really interesting, amazing clients, but ultimately it is a lot of, it's a lot of like busy work and just behind the computer. And I was feeling very like, I miss interacting with other people. It was mostly just me at home alone on my computer, spending hours and hours doing all this like techie stuff, which just was not forming to my personality at all. And at the same time, I was also super into personal development type of stuff and started leaning into life coaching, tried that out for two months. And I was like, I don't really like this either. And at the same time, I was learning more and more about nutrition, which has actually always been something that I had been interested in, but I just never felt qualified because I was never good at science in school. And it just, I don't know, I was scared by it for some reason. But yeah, once I started learning more and finally decided to go for a certification, which is what I'm studying for now. And I love it. I'm so happy that I finally decided to do that. And I still don't know like where it's going in terms of a business, but we shall see. So that is my super long-winded explanation of who I am. That's great. Lots to unpack there. And I, what questions do I throw at you? Because there's just so many there. Why don't we step back to the beginning? And so I've always wanted to live in New York City just because I'm a huge basketball fan. I'm a huge hip hop fan. And, you know, that's mm-hmm. like the melting pot of the world or one of the first, definitely, right? That's really popular. So from New York City to Vietnam, huge difference. Like what was the decision of Vietnam? why not Thailand why not South America why Asia specifically yeah I feel like I firstly I wanted a challenge I'm always into I don't know if it's something about my ego or something but I I always want to do something that not everyone else is doing like I always want to be the different one and I, I knew people who had taught English abroad in Japan and Korea and Thailand and all those places And because I knew people that did that, I was like, I'm going to go somewhere no one else has been. And I found a YouTube channel 
called Ninja Teacher. And it was this guy making like tons and tons of videos about life in Vietnam as an English teacher and just making it seem so amazing and awesome. And I was like, oh my God, I was addicted watching them every day, just imagining my future and my life there. And I started, I was watching just anything I could on Netflix, any like documentary where someone was in Vietnam, there was an Anthony Bourdain episode and I, I was just like consuming everything and I just became obsessed. And it just, there also was just this unexplainable feeling in my heart that I can't even really explain, but it just, as soon as I saw the word Vietnam on Google, my heart was just like, yes, that's where you need to go. So I, I really didn't even consider other places that much. That's amazing that there was this like gut feeling and that you got just addicted to the content about Vietnam. And uh, is it true, like from what you found and you've been there, well, you've been there two and a half years now, are there some comparisons that you could draw between New York City and Vietnam? Because there are fairly obvious differences, right? In terms of mm. uh, a developed city or whatever, but what, what are some of the comparisons off the top of your head? What can you think of? Yeah, because when I first came here, I didn't know anything about the differences of Saigon or Hanoi or Da Nang. And when I first got here, I was doing a program to get certified to teach English. And there were other people in the program and other people ended up deciding to go to Hanoi or Da Nang. And I was debating it, but I feel like I did stay in Saigon because it reminded me in some way of New York, just that big city like energetic atmosphere where everyone's hustling and bustling. And when I go to places like Da Nang, it's, which is like a beach town, a central beach town. It's nice for relaxing. Like I see it as like a vacation kind of place where I might want to go for a weekend. But when I'm there for longer than four days, I'm like, okay, I'm bored. Like, where are the people? Where's, what's the activity? Like what's going on? And so in Saigon, it just feels like there's always something to do. There's always something happening. And it does get tiring. Like I do miss having more nature in my life. And, but I think it's just a matter of intentionally scheduling trips outside of Vietnam to get that. Okay. It sounds like you're more of a city person and you like the dynamicness of the city then affects like what you do with your life and the steps you take. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. And the fact of you can meet so many people from so many different backgrounds here as well. Before coming here, I didn't expect to make Vietnamese friends. I don't know why. I just didn't think that was a possibility. I didn't think that so many would be fluent in English and or that we would even have so much in common. I thought the, the cultural divide would just be too different. But you find at the end of the day, we're all human and we all have similar desires and similar fears and similar things that happen in childhood. So I think it's been really crucial to my, my personal growth to meet so many different people who come from different backgrounds but we also have similarities. Yeah, I was speaking to a friend the other day about just like the differences and the similarities of like Thai culture and Vietnamese culture. And then mm. one thing that I would change, and I, probably everybody's going to hate me for saying this, but the <laughs> queuing culture in Vietnam is so annoying. Oh my People God. People don't know how to do it. <laughs> like, oh yes. God. 
Oh my God. Yeah. 100%. I, I do miss the order and organization in the U S in New York. It's yeah. You just, yeah. You, you're standing in line and then someone just blatantly comes in front of you and puts their stuff down on the counter. And it's like, Oh, okay. Yeah. After you, I wasn't standing here or anything. Like, excuse me. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. It's like a grandma would just come yeah. with her like elbows, her three inch blades and just move you out of the way. And you're like, what's going on? Were you saying that the, there is that queuing culture in Thailand or no? No, there isn't. Everyone's like super polite. Like even when they walk in front of you, let's say you're having a conversation across the, on the sidewalk. And for some reason, you and your friend are standing on either side of the sidewalk. And then someone would like walk in front of you and they'll actually bow and be like, oh, sorry. Or because uh, they'll yeah. want to walk behind you, you know, as a sign of respect. But you won't get that stuff in Vietnam. Like people would <laughs> bump into you and like they won't even move out of the way when you're walking in one direction. And for some reason, I have found that charming. <laughs> like where people yeah. are just like they're just like whatever no personal space <laughs> in the elevator bumping into you on the oh sidewalk just smashing yes. you out of the way in queues like for some reason that's charming but that's probably because I've been away for a year and a half but uh, yeah. when I get back into it I'll probably hate it so yeah so I got really embarrassed one time I was at the airport in Hong Kong and we're on the way back to to Vietnam and I was on my own. And the funny thing is typically when you're at an airport, people queue to check in, to go uh, onto the flight. No other queue needed people to help them queue apart from the flight to Vietnam for some reason. They had like extra people to guide, <laughs> like no, single file, like instead of just a mosh pit at the front, right? <laughs> just, can you just, and I was just yeah. so embarrassed and I was looking, I was watching like the, the staff, like just teach people how to queue. I was like, oh, why are these my people? Yeah. Oh my God. No, but it's, uh, it's cute. So whatever. Yeah. Yeah. There's yeah. definitely seems to be no kind of spatial awareness, like on the roads. There's no like people get like this close to crashing into each other. And it's, did you not see that with your peripheral vision? Do you not have peripheral vision? <laughs> yeah. Have you noticed that also like locals are more touchier than what we're used to? Yes. Okay. Oh, yeah. okay. So it sounds like you've had some experience here. T tell me about an experience where maybe touchy feely. Yeah. I'm not sure if this is where you're going with it, but I guess in terms of girls, I just notice Vietnamese girls, if, especially if we're crossing the street together, they'll like link arms with me or hold my hand and I get really freaked out. I'm like, oh, I don't want to hold your hand. <laughs> it feels like I'm a little girl and you're my mom or something. Or yeah, if they just see me, they're linking arms with me or they're like petting my head like playing with my hair or something and I'm like oh, you not touch me but then if I it's very natural for me when I meet someone new or I, I see someone and I'm saying hello I want to give them a hug and they don't like that <laughs> they like get they get like stiff and they, they don't move and then I'm like oh sorry <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Yeah, like I didn't realize this uh, until I was there, maybe. So I moved back in 2013 and I had this friend that I made that we kept in contact because we played basketball or whatever. So I was like chilling with his friends. And one night we were like just drinking beers after basketball. 
and uh, a friend that I had met through my friend. We were just sitting like pretty close to each other, whatever. But then he had his hand on my leg for 20, like <laughs> 25 minutes. And I'm like, is he going to move it? Is he like, is he trying to make a move? What is he? Like, I don't know how to like deal with this because, you know, I yeah. just got into the country. And it was just like, but I have actually found myself liking that, like, hand around the shoulder kind of thing just like more it's like just more warm and I, I I don't mind that these days you know um and it's okay but I typically didn't do that in the UK like why would you touch anybody it's just not a normal thing to, to break yes. that, those barriers it's just awkward so yes. yeah but the hug thing is interesting you don't know how to yeah is it, is it a nod is it a handshake is it a hug what mm -hmm. so I find myself like even with friends back at home because I went back not too long ago uh, I don't I don't know I don't know the norms now like this the reverse culture shop do, do we yeah. just nod or what, what goes on yeah <laughs> especially with the pan with the pandemic like no one wants to touch anyone so like, oh do we just do I just tip my hat <laughs> exactly so I want to ask you on your journey to nutrition and health like mm -hmm. uh, you spoke a bit about it so what are you doing and what are the plans moving forward with this passion of yours mm -hmm. yeah so I guess it would help to explain how I got here because I think that really sets up like why I'm passionate about it and maybe like how I want to move forward because basically in that whole year of from 2019 to 2020, when I was trying to run this business and getting new clients and learning everything I can about marketing and strategy, but also everything about podcasting and like all the things, I was just constantly getting burnt out like again and again, where to the point I couldn't get out of bed. I was so exhausted and like forgetting to eat and things like that. And trying to to learn all these productivity hacks from all the productivity gurus out there and just finding that none of that was really working and and there's so many reasons for burnout like and stress and depression and all of those things like it comes from so many different factors like you're not sleeping enough or your diet or even if you are just out of alignment in terms of your like purpose in life if you are doing some sort of work or activity that is not within your strengths and you're like going against the grain constantly like obviously that's going to be exhausting so many factors and I think just looking into all of that stuff holistically and being like okay where's my mental health at let me go see a therapist where is my like looking at productivity can my systems be better can my habits be better and I was neglecting the physical health side of things like I've always been active I've always tried eating healthy but I never really focused on that and basically I came across someone talking about how pro all these productivity hacks don't exactly work the same for men as they do for women and it's because men and women have what's called the circadian rhythm. So that's when we like melatonin increases at night. So we go to sleep and cortisol rises in the morning. So we wake up when the sun comes up and it's that 24 hour cycle of hormones. But women also have the infradian rhythm, 
which is related to our on average like monthly hormonal cycle so people tend to think about the period as just that one week in the month where things are like wacky but there's actually all throughout the month like different hormones going up and down and it's a pattern it's a cycle that repeats again and again and not enough women know that we're living in this world that is built around the 24-hour cycle where we are expected to have the same energy and motivation and productivity and all of that every single day when in reality you might wake up in a certain phase of your hormonal cycle and your cortisol is much lower than in a different phase of your cycle and understanding all that and then also understanding that in each phase you can adjust your diet and your lifestyle and your habits to to adapt and to balance out those hormonal levels so that you're not like swinging so far the other way or swinging so far the other way so I just started like going deep into this stuff and trying to understand everything understanding even about the impacts of animal products like meat and dairy and cheese products on the hormonal cycle as well. And it just opened my eyes to, I think the first feeling was anger because I'm like, how am I 27 years old at this point and just learning this stuff? Feels like this stuff should have been taught in school way earlier so that I didn't have to live the past decade so confused about my own personal health and just thinking about all the young girls out there today who are just like doing the same as their mothers did and being brought up in this society that that doesn't understand and so part of it is the passion to help women to feel better in terms of their health but then also this passion to to help women heal emotionally from years of, you know, being, because the period is also still such a taboo thing. Like even doctors don't necessarily want to talk about it. And when a woman says, oh my God, I'm having severe cramps. Sometimes even the doctor will be like, oh, it's just part of being a woman. So too bad. Sorry. That's just your, what you have to deal with. When in reality, if more people knew that those kind of symptoms are common because everyone experiences them, but they're not normal. Meaning if we were eating the right diet and if we were doing the right like lifestyle habits, then we wouldn't be suffering so much. So just helping women understand that gives so much empowerment and so much validation of, oh my God, I'm not crazy. I'm not just this isn't all in my head. I'm not just making it up. So just helping to, I guess, increase the dialogue around this stuff and getting people more comfortable talking about it. And even for men as well, because men have women in their lives. So understanding that, no, she's not just crazy or, and how can you support her if it seems her hormones are off or something like, how can you support her instead of just being like, oh my God, it's just your period kind of thing. And and where do you see yourself taking this? I know you mentioned that you're studying about it, but where do you eventually want to take it? Or do you have a goal in mind? Yeah. So it's interesting. Like currently 
I'm not sure. I'm still in this space where I'm just loving learning about everything. And I've been doing like presentations and workshops in Saigon to just start getting the word out and educating people about this. But in terms of a, a business model, I feel like I'm traumatized a little bit from the last time that I tried doing business because like online like Instagram, this whole culture of online coaches and online service providers, it was a really toxic environment where people are basically like using marketing as this manipulation tool to make you believe that you need to buy their product or you're missing out on some major secret or just relative things that I totally fell for. And I've totally spent thousands of dollars on coaches and products. And um, I'm just a little bit like scarred from it and hesitant to go back into that world. And so I'm trying to, uh, I've been meaning to sit down and have a brainstorm of like, how can I do this in a way that feels authentic to me and feels ethical? Like I'm not manipulating anyone. I'm not forcing anyone into anything. And I also, I don't know if you've heard of human design. I think I sent you something about it. But yeah, it's, it's, there's just basically every person has a different type. There's five different human design types. And based on your type, you have a certain kind of energy and a certain way that is most aligned for you to deliver your message or deliver your skills or expertise. So some people are more vocal and they are like the podcasters and the YouTubers and the, the public speakers. And some people are more like behind the scenes kind of thing. So I've been trying to think about all of that too and just what would feel good, but I don't really know yet. I guess I would see maybe group programs in some way of getting a group of women together to go through this information and more of a support system of, okay, now that you know all this stuff, like we're here for you, let's do it together. Yeah. I don't really know. <laughs> okay. Yeah. And, and that's okay. You're in this, you know, exploration journey and discovering what you like about it specifically and what you want to focus in on. And of course, you, you mentioned a bunch of stuff there. Um, I want to talk about the misconceptions of plant-based diet, because I know this is something you're into. So mm -hmm. what are some common misconceptions? So I tried it after watching the Netflix documentary, because, you know, why not, right? <laughs> like that always happens. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember which one you watched? Game Changer, I think. Okay. Yeah, I think that was the one I watched. And it was like, just following like athletes who performed really well and significantly better. It was eye-opening and I tried it, but it's just, it's so difficult to one, be disciplined and plan your meals in advance because that makes it easier. But also like, I, I think like sometimes I struggle like going out to eat and then there's like limited options and it's, it's very difficult to find. That's what I found in Bangkok. I think Vietnam might be easier just with the diet in Vietnam. There's just a lot more options in terms of mm -hmm. like plant-based food. But I think Bangkok or even Thailand's sort of dietary is so meat heavy. There's not as much vegetables as we would like. But yeah, what are some common misconceptions for the people out there? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know a lot of people 
always ask about where do you get your protein type of question because it's been drilled into our brains for so long that protein is from meat and fish and eggs and all the animal products. So that's definitely a misconception. You can, there's plenty of protein in all of these plant sources. I think another misconception about plant-based is that it's synonymous with veganism. And so if you, if someone says I'm on a whole foods plant-based diet, it doesn't necessarily mean that they've cut out all animal products 100%. It's more so the idea that making the intentional effort that at least 90% of your, you know, daily consumption is from whole food plants. And if there is animal products, it's like, Currently, when you look at the typical plate, at least the American standard diet is the meat is like the star of the show. It's, it's like the front and center. And then the sides are the vegetables, like a little bit of broccoli here, a little bit of carrots there, whatever. And it's really just flipping that, like having the, the vegetables be the main part of your plate, taking up the most real estate on your plate and having the protein be like a side or a little topping, a little seasoning or something like that. Because yeah, they've studied these blue zone populations that basically the longest living people in the world. That's where the Mediterranean diet was really popularized because that population of people, they are living for so long and their health and vitality is continued on even into older age. Looking at those diets, they they are not vegan. They don't completely cut out meat and dairy and all of that, but it's not the central focus. It's not the staple of the diet. It's more for like special occasions or like very small portions throughout the week. I would say another one is it's not about it's not about deprivation or like denying yourself things or taking away things. I think a lot of people when they first, it's like, oh, but I could never live without meat. And I don't want to give this up kind of vocabulary, but you can turn it around and think about all the things that you are adding. Because the other thing too, is that meat and processed kind of junk food has no fiber in it. So it's very high in calories, but low in fiber. So when you eat it, you, your stomach doesn't like know that it's full. So then you eat more and then you end up overeating. Whereas with fruits and vegetables and whole grains and things like that, it's low in calories, but high in fiber. So you end up feeling full and you tend to eat just the right amount and you tend not to be so hungry throughout the day that you're snacking on like sugary snacks and stuff. And you can actually, because it's low in calorie, you can put more on your plate. Yeah. Again, it's not about eating less. It's not about calorie restriction or even counting calories or being like a bird and just eating little salads and (laughs) tomatoes and stuff. But actually it's no, please, please pile your plate with vegetables and fruit, all that good stuff. What else? What, were there any misconceptions you had when you first started? Yeah, so many, but they were all addressed <laughs> by the, the documentary, hence uh, the mm-hmm. encouragement, right? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, what else am I doing with my life? So, and then I was like, oh, I'll try it. You know, I'm one of those people that 
when I get bored with like random things or I just like to try new things. I think I did it for, so I was like trying to do, I wasn't, so first it was like, okay, let's just go full in and be vegan for a while. And then I was like, this is really hard because I'm thinking way more about the food I, I'm eating. And typically I'm one of those people that don't like to decide what to eat because it's just annoying because it's three times a day yeah. or whatever. And I also fast as well. So I really don't like when I want to break fast, I just want to eat. I don't want to be so strategic. And then I switched to like flexitarianism where it's like, okay, I'll have meat on the weekends and then in and be vegan in during the week. But it's definitely made me more conscious in terms of what I am consuming. And I think that's healthy, right? Like mm -hmm. to be a little bit more thoughtful in what I'm choosing and or or, or the options that I have on my table but mm. I, I can't really remember I think it's just I think I always knew this I think I was fairly lucky where my mom I'm half Vietnamese half Chinese and our diet is very vegetable heavy mm -hmm. but it's also very meat heavy but there's always mm. vegetables like there so I, I think I was pretty lucky with that um, mm -hmm. I want to ask about if I wanted to do this whole foods plant-based diet what are the steps that I should take or what are the initial steps if I wanted to get back into this? Yeah, I actually want to ask a question back to you on that. Mm -hmm. Like when you saw the movie, what was the information that kind of sparked you to change? Was it more about the health or more about the like animals or environment? I'm not sure like what that movie talks about, but what was it that was like, oh, wow, I'm going to try this. I think it was, I think it was also about like, sports performance I thought it was just really surprising and that was like really cool and I'm fairly active as well so I was like oh okay mm. that sounds great and also like energy levels I think that's a, a key thing for me because mm. I have find myself like when I consume these meals like the next hour or two I'm useless like you can't, I can't do anything and mm. I, I found that to be true when after a meal uh, I wouldn't feel like I'm crashing so hard and I really hated that because, yeah, I would crash really hard, even if I wasn't like super full, but just my body processing it or, or whatever actually happens, yeah, was, was was like damaging productivity. So that was one of my main things as well. Yeah, I think one of the first steps is to, it sounds so cliche, but like understanding your why behind it and your motivation, because if you're just doing it because someone told you to, that might not necessarily fuel your motivation enough. And it is going to be really hard if you're just going off of willpower or so for me, when I read these books, like how not to die is a really good one. Or yeah, when I watch these documentaries, it's wow, I want to live until I'm 100 years old. And I'm terrified of chronic disease. And I'm terrified of surgery. And I'm terrified of I don't want to be taking 25 different medications when I'm older, like I want to be living a, an active, energetic life for all of my life. And so when I have that in mind, when it comes down to making a choice about what I want to eat, and, and I think this is key too, is that you can eat whatever you want, whenever you want. Again, it's not about this saying, oh, you can't do this and you can't eat that, but more, okay, with the choices in front of me right now, do I want to 
choose the, the healthiest choice that I can because I'm thinking about my future and not my like immediate short-term pleasure. Or maybe right now I am thinking about my short-term pleasure and I just want to eat this ice cream or whatever. It doesn't matter like the it matters more overall, your overall diet, how you act 98% of the time. And those small, smaller, more infrequent moments where you're like, oh, I'm gonna have the ice cream or I'm gonna have the cheese or whatever. It's not gonna make or break you. It's not gonna ruin everything unless you have maybe an addictive personality where if you fall off the rails, like you're going way off. So you also have to think about your personality style and are you someone who just needs to go all in and give up everything? Sorry, I don't mean to use the word give up, swap out (laughs) certain choices. Or are you someone who needs to go more in a staging, like step-by-step of, okay, this week I'm going to have four plant-based meals in this week and then next week I'm going to do five and slowly working your way up and also having a support system is so crucial because if you are new to this and you're doing it alone it's just a lot easier if you have people around you who are into the same thing and on this same journey so whether that's you going ahead and I don't know gathering your friends who are interested in making a group text and some kind of agreement of, okay, for the next 30 days, we're all on this mission together to eat healthier, to eat plant-based and you do it together. Or there's plenty of Facebook groups out there. And now Clubhouse, I don't know if you've joined Clubhouse yet, but for me, just joining rooms where people are talking about being on plant-based diets and it's just so comforting to hear other people talking about it and it's so validating so that's really important and having like certain meals that are quick and easy to make but and and like available to you I think maybe some people go on google and they try and look at all these different recipes and try to like make a different thing every day if you find two or three meals that you really like, you can just make those over and over again. And you don't have to like think so hard about it. So for me, I'm lucky because I don't even cook at all. (laughs) I literally order all of my food from food delivery services. And there are plenty of like vegan or plant-based options in Vietnam, luckily. For me, I'm just like, oh, and I, I basically have three restaurants that I just rotate through and I pretty much eat the same meals, but I just don't love them so much that I'm like, Ooh, I can't, I can't wait to eat this. The tips. Awesome. Great tips. I might as well give it another go, but during <laughs> quarantine, cause I'm actually coming back to Vietnam soon, they're going to serve me whatever they're going to serve me, but I should probably try it and, and just get my health back into shape so wait are there any resources before we get off this topic are there any resources you would like to share so people can educate themselves about this plant-based diet or, or how to approach it at mm. least yeah definitely again the book is called how not to die 
by Dr. Michael Greger. He's really like the front of the pack in terms of advocating for this stuff. And he, he has a website called nutritionfacts.org where he goes through all of the latest research every year. Like he sits down and goes through all of the latest research and puts it into bite-sized understandable videos for people like us, you know, we don't necessarily go and read clinical trials for fun. And he just explains it in a way that's very easy to understand, easy to take action on. And I can't think of specific podcasts, but I'm sure if you search for plant-based podcasts or even just searching the hashtag on Instagram, like hashtag plant-based and just seeing who's out there educating about this stuff. And again, Clubhouse has been awesome. There's rooms that are like ask the dietitian kind of room and then you can go in there and ask your question and of course there's you right you're forgetting you oh yeah you're the educator <laughs> and <me>. too yeah <laughs> and you yes <laughs> awesome yeah i want to switch so i was looking at your website before we had this convo and i noticed that you had this bucket list so i wanted to ask i don't know if you've already done this or or you mm-hmm. haven't or maybe you've completed one of the items but why stand up comedy I'm not, I'm just thinking I'm like I have a website like where is this <laughs> oh my god I'm like is that I haven't taken that down oh yeah. sometimes I just think of really funny stuff in my head and I'm like I'm hilarious <laughs> and, then I, and I like write stuff down in my notes app but it's funny like because when I've listened a lot to Neil's seven million bikes podcast too and the comedians on there always talk about how they have these all these funny ideas in their head and then when they actually try it out on the crowd it doesn't land (laughs) and I'm like maybe I'm not as funny as I think I am I just really admire comedians because you have to be really smart and you have to be really creative and you have to it's so much this symphony of the right words at the right time with the right body language with the right tone to deliver this joke and just being able to create an environment where everyone in the room is like having this same experience is really a cool idea to me so yeah I think I just really admire them and I think it's a really cool skill to have and have you tried it have you made the first step of going to a comedy workshop or jump on stage at an open mic have you done anything towards it I know you said you wrote some jokes down but (laughs) where where are you on that program no there used to be uh, a friend I used to have who lived in Saigon she was having workshops like stand-up comedy workshops but then she left she like went to back home to Germany or something so those weren't continued and yeah I guess I've just been so focused on other things that hasn't really been the the thing on my mind uh, or in my focus. So yeah, maybe someday. Is that, is that still on your bucket list? Is that something you still want to try or has it been pushed way further out? I think it's still on there, but it's lower on the list. It's more, it's not like a must have. If I die and I never did stand-up comedy, I, I wouldn't regret it. It's more like, oh, that would be cool. For me, more so now, I grew up dancing hip hop and I still love dancing. And that's something that I've really been wanting to get back into. And I think it would be so cool to work one-on-one with a private 
choreographer who could like really teach me the moves to like my favorite song that I want to dance to because I also don't like when I go to the classes and it's some song that I'm not really that into but yeah to like even and even like collaborate with him and or her I don't know why I'm thinking it's a guy but making the dance together and then doing some kind of music video almost like recording it and having cool lighting and like smoky atmosphere I just love watching dance videos on Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that so I think that's way more on my list and I want to make steps towards that but again we just had a third wave in Vietnam so the dance classes were closed the dance schools were closed but they just reopened so I need to get on that and book a class did you ever get into the world of like break dancing or popping or electric boogaloo like the other sort of freestyle like things did you get into that stuff no no I was never into the break dancing or popping kind of stuff I don't know how I would describe my style maybe more like flowy or like wavy I don't really know how to describe it I like when songs have a lot of like bass like a heavy bass that you can just like feel it in your body and it's like very hard clean movements I guess okay cool so you're a bass head good to know good to know <laughs> yeah okay so I have some just random questions I'm going to throw at you just try and say the first thing that comes to mind and of course mm -hmm. I'll give you some time to explain it you're in the hot seat basically are you ready okay ready I feel okay. it I feel it it feels hot. all right let's go all right what's your biggest fear dying same name something else on your bucket list and why mm. owning some kind of owning like a bed and breakfast slash event space of some kind that's always been up there because again I love bringing people together and sharing a common experience and especially after traveling so much it would just be really cool to have some kind of place where I'm meeting new people coming in and out all the time and could also I don't know have some kind of cooking classes to teach people about healthy eating or poetry night events or something like that. That's really cool. That sounds amazing. What is the grossest thing you've ever eaten? It's probably in Vietnam, but let's go for it. <laughs> I'm not very adventurous. Oh, durian is gross. <laughs> How dare you? How dare you? No, no. Do you gross. like it? <laughs> I used to love it as a kid. Like I used to like crave for it when I was a kid and come back to Vietnam. It smells oh way worse than it actually tastes. Like it's fine. It tastes just as bad. Oh, I almost threw up trying to eat that. <laughs> wow. Have you tried stinky tofu? No, I don't think so. All right, I well guess that, I would know if I did. Yeah, that smells a hundred times worse and it doesn't taste like any better have you tried balut which is like the duck fetus egg thing no oh my god even just seeing that i'm like uh-uh that looks nasty yeah <gasps> it's pretty nasty okay are you a morning or night person morning okay early bird name some of your favorite all-time movies oh man what do i always watch <laughs> for some reason like just my like childhood favorite movies are coming up like I watched Anastasia was my favorite, I guess, like cartoon movie growing up. Oh my God. I'm like blanking on every movie ever. 
All right, I'll throw some at you. I'll throw some at you. Yeah. Anchorman, Fight Club, maybe Inception, which is a bit newer. Are you more like what type of movies? I do like Will Ferrell. So like Elf is a classic. Always love Elf. I love like the Harry Potter movies. Fun fact, I used to go to school with Draco Malfoy. I think I must have said it a million times, but yeah. What? Yeah, we even <laughs> like had... We were skating together and we had t-shirts made because we're in the same skate crew and it was just so lame when we were kids, but <laughs> that's what happened. Oh my God, cool. Yeah. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> anyway, were you, were um, you still friends with him when he was like auditioning and stuff? Yeah, I mean, he had to like, he missed a bunch of school. His hair was blonde forever <laughs> and he's not a natural blonde. And oh. yeah, I went to his like 21st birthday and he had just bought a new house and he's like the guy that always has the coolest shit and he got a new car when he was like 17, just like a brand new BMW. And you're just like, <laughs> what, who is this guy? Like, what, why is he trying to do all this shit? We drove down he- to Devon for like camping trips and stuff. So I did know mm-hmm. him fairly well. But of course, now I think he lives in like Vancouver or something. So definitely lost mm. contact. Is he anything like Draco Malfoy? <laughs> oh, yeah, he's pure evil, man. No, no, he's super <laughs> nice. <gasps> yeah, no, he's a lad. Um, funny, down to earth, just like an average dude, quite private. But with his mates, he's just, yeah, just a super nice guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, do you prefer somebody that's funny or smart? If you had to choose. Mm, I feel like to be funny, you have to be smart. No, that's so, you're cheating. No, <laughs> no. Both. <laughs> you can't have um, both. Okay, then I guess I'll choose funny. Kind or confident? <laughs> confident. But also not an asshole. (laughs) Oh, God. You can't have it your way. You cannot have it your way. I'm sorry. All right. What's the last song you listened to? Oh, I love The Weeknd. He just had a new, kind of new album. So I've just been playing that on repeat, repeat constantly. Did you see his Super Bowl performance? No. It's pretty good. I'll I'll have to go find that. Yeah, like weird camera angles. You don't really know where the camera oh. is. Yeah, was he kind of like walking outside and maybe not? It, it was weird. Go look it up. It, it was pretty mm. well done. And the fact that he can sing like that live is still like baffles me. I'm like, what, who is this guy? Like, why does he have yeah. this guy? Oh, like, yeah. He's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, when I first found out about him, like my friend was like, oh, listen to this. And then I was in his room and I was like, mm, what is this? And he's like, who does that sound like? I was like, Michael Jackson. But it's just yeah. completely mind blown. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. That, those are the hot seat questions. Not too hard, I hope. Before we end this, do you have any questions for me? Why is this podcast called Ranting Bananas? Which I just said in a very American accent. <laughs> <laughs> well, it started... It started with me and my friend. So she's half Thai, half Swiss. And the, the term of a banana is you're yellow on the outside, you're white on the inside, right? And uh, oh. ev- yeah, so ever oh. since I've moved I've to heard Vietnam, like I've heard yeah. Oreo, Oreo, like black on the outside, white on the inside. I did not know there was an Asian version of that. <laughs> yes, there is exactly like, yeah, equivalent of like Oreo or coconut. 
but banana yeah so yeah as i moved to like asia i have that comment multiple times like you're just a banana right and i didn't have this i didn't know this existed you know before that so i think we both have that perception of ourselves like we're, we're more banana than your typical maybe asian and my old friend also mentioned that uh, ux should be like a banana so user experience like Bananas are one of the easiest things to eat and to peel open. You don't really need to know how to do it. It's just like stupid proof how to eat a banana mm -hmm. versus other fruit. If you can think about a good user experience, a design for a product or a service, like uh, bananas, super stupid proof. It doesn't get your hands all like mucky and icky like mm -hmm. other fruits. And uh, yeah, so ranting bananas, just a couple of bananas talking shit. Like we used to get drunk on the podcast and then just talk and then it was really about nothing. So I, I like yeah. that. Plus, the artwork is also a banana duct taped onto the wall. Like, yeah, even is that yeah. even art? What is what is that about? <laughs> exactly, and I think it, was, was that a stock photo that you found, or did you take that picture? It's this famous artist that actually did it, right? Oh, yeah. So it was in the gallery for a while, and it sold. Shows how like, cultured I am. <laughs> So it sold for like a lot of money, but if you look at it, the normal non-artist side of people would be like, dude, what the hell is this thing? Is it art? Isn't it art? Right? That there's might be some explanation behind it that's like really meaningful and profound. But for me on that aspect as well, is you can look at it surface, like this podcast is shit. Great. Or you could, it could be some profound thing. It's really up to you. <laughs> so we're trying to come at it from lots of different ways, but yeah, that's it. And then now there's a co-host and she's also a, a banana as well. Of course, we're not exclusive to bananas looking at the world through a, a third culture kid lens. And I think that would be the more broader uh, spectrum of, of topics we touch, but yeah. Mm -hmm. Ah, okay. Totally learned something new today. How did you get involved in UX design or like, why is that something that you love? How I got involved was by accident. And I've told this stories, but I'll just give you a roundup of, of what, like the timeline of it, how it happened. 2013, moved to Vietnam. 2014, got a job because I ran out of money, ended up staying there until now, living abroad until now. But I fell into this job and I was doing like digital marketing so that as you know, involves a lot of like design work, like email campaigns or social media posts and stuff like that. I really like that graphic design element. And then one day I designed a website for my friend and I found myself losing so many hours. So I really like that. So I could transition to more like web design. Then I ended up going freelance for a bit and then fell back into a digital marketing role, ended up redesigning the platform or the website that, you know, that this company hired me for and then mm -hmm. found product design. So I actually was a UX designer before I had really any of the skills. Like the first week of work mm -hmm. was like, oh yeah, so we're making this Android app. And I was like, what the, what does that mean? So using a graphic design or web design sort of minimal experience, like I didn't even have that many, but I guess uh, the person took a gamble on me and then I fell into it and I think the reason why I like it or why I love it and have a passion for it is because it's like the process behind it, the thinking and the thoughtfulness behind it. Because when you see something for its surface value, you don't really think much. And I just like the methodical 
semi-scientific approach. It's still not scientific because you're dealing with humans mm-hmm. and behavioral stuff. It, it changes based on who it is, right? Like everybody's an individual and there's only so much science you can apply to a set of demographics, but you use like scientific approaches like hypothesis and measuring and testing and all this stuff. And then the visual part of it, right? So I was lucky enough that the things that I liked fit together, but I didn't even know that I liked it. So it was super Mm -hmm. lucky and that's how I fell into it. That's the story behind how I got into it. Yeah. Cool. Thank you for that. No, no worries. All right. So before we go, one last thing. Do you have one last thought to leave the audience with? To continue taking an interest in your health and keep like looking for good resources, staying as informed as you can because it's going to suck if (laughs) when you're in your like, you know, sixties and you're on all these diabetes medications and just the quality of your life is not that great. There's absolutely things you can be doing right now to prevent that. We old age does not have to mean sickness. And before we forget, how could everybody else find you, follow you and, and learn from you? Yeah, right now, um, mainly I'm just on Instagram. So at Dana.Drehos, my first and last name for right now. I'm pretty much just posting stories about what I'm learning. And if you're in Saigon, and definitely add me as a friend on Facebook because I'm also doing presentations in Saigon as well. And I always post about it on Facebook. I'm excited to see you when I come back and maybe we can collaborate on something else yeah. and, and do some video work. Mm-hmm. Let's get your name out there so you can help lots of people eat better and, uh, and live longer. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you so much for giving me the chance to rant about it, even though I'm not a banana. <laughs> You'll be a banana soon. You've lived in Vietnam for long enough for you to be a banana. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>